a Tricky Kid Media original presentation distributed by iHeartRadio. Welcome to Tricky Kid Radio, where the past and the future meet the present for a fun mix of yesterday, today, and tomorrow, hosted by filmmaker and DJ Roy Turner. Thank you for joining us as we welcome special guests from every corner of pop culture and great music across every genre. Now, here's your host, Roy Turner. Welcome to a very special edition of Tricky Kid Radio. As a, pre- as a precursor to our season six premiere, we invite you to join us for an ambitious celebration of the release of the Prince Sign of the Times Super Deluxe box set. Joining us will be multi-instrumentalist and all-around Renaissance man, Alan Johannes, and so much more. This is the one, man. Any dedicated Prince fan will tell you that this is his magnum opus. Now, while Purple Rain is certainly his most celebrated work commercially, this is where Prince truly became Prince. Severing all ties with the past, his newfound liberation propelled his already peerless ambition to prolific heights that will never be duplicated. There is just so much music here, and there's just so much to talk about. In terms of box sets, the Prince Estate has done a pretty exceptional job in exceeding, if not meeting, I should say, if not exceeding all expectations and securing the right curator Uh, to deliver something that we the fans have been dreaming about for like over 30 years and kind of assume we'd always would still be dreaming about it. So it's truly not hyperbole when I say that this is a dream come true. First, I should tell you that there is a highly enjoyable and official podcast already in circulation uh, surrounding this release. It's hosted by Minneapolis Treasure and the kind of the go-to Prince scholar, uh, the current Andrea Swenson. put together with the Prince Estate and Warner Brothers Records, featuring most every living member that was involved with Prince before and after that somehow had some contribution to the era that Sign of the Times was made. I disclaim this as this very episode isn't designed to compete. In fact, you should go check that shit out because it's awesome. Uh, and it inspired this very episode. And I encourage you to, to, to check out all eight episodes. It's awesome. I really loved it. Uh, it's miraculously comprehensive for such a, a mountainous undertaking uh, from this time. I mean, he had, you know, Crystal Ball, Dream Factory, Camille, what all this kind of became, you know, Sign of the Times, uh, you know, the Madhouse records. Um, he was breaking up with his band and his fiance, who was the twin sister of the guitar player in the band. Just so much going on. Um, you know, the construction of Paisley Park. Uh, at this time. I mean, this was the most pivotal time. And what came from this is something just miraculous. So if you're a Prince person, you've been waiting to hear all of these songs. And all this time, I've, I've heard, you know, bootlegs and stuff. But but now an official release, it's, it's unthinkable, man. Um, but what we would like to offer here is a people's history. Sure, I'm going to dazzle you with the dates and facts and maybe a few $10 words, but the takeaway is simply to share our personal experiences with a record that has come to define so many of our lives. Not to mention just the excitement that we are finally going to get to dive into this thing. Uh, We've all thought so long that would never actually would arrive. 
But now it's here, and it's like, like meeting Santa Claus, like for real. The main inspiration comes from two people that I recently met and started collaborating with. It's a guy that goes by the name of DJ Um and Edgar Cruz. And Edgar, I hope I'm saying your name right, because it looks like it could be all cool, like Edgar Cruz. Uh, <clears throat> but anyway... Both of them are brilliant writers and among some of the world's most dedicated and knowledgeable print scholars. They are known globally for these print mega threads on Twitter, where what they do is they pick a Prince album, select a really you know a great bunch of 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 you know people that are from the Prince Academia uh, to kind of create these uh, these mega threads, where you take an album. You assign somebody the one song, and then they're going to kind of fire at you 25 bursts, 25 tweets uh, that are going to totally, you know, expand upon while educating and, and mesmerizing. And it, it's and it's nerdy as hell. And that's, I mean, I'll be first to disclaim that. And that's, that's right up my alley, man. So... They were doing, I can't remember what record it was. Uh, I think they, I forget what it was, but, and I just kind of just, I happened to see it because I'm a Prince guy and, uh, and some of the people involved like D'Angela Duff, we've had her on this show before. And if you remember what I did her symposium, um, for graffiti bridge over the summer, which was so much fun. And I just said, Hey man, when y'all get to parade, uh, under the cherry moon, give me a holler. Cause I'd like to take a swing. Cause that's my favorite record. And, uh, and so, uh, DJ, um, got a hold of me and he said, man, he goes, we're actually, we're going to do the sound of the times thing. If you'd like to be interested. So I thought that was, that was so cool. Um, and that's how they do it is that, uh, you know, it's one per day till the LP is finished. Uh, and I just got to do, like I said, sign of the times and they even let me pick my own song. Can you guess which one I chose? Well, find out right after this. Visit us at the all-new TrickyKid.com for an extra fix of pop culture as we share our adventures at major comic conventions, music festivals, and more from around the world. See the latest pics of your favorite cosplayer while vicariously scoping the landscape at Coachella and beyond. Listen to podcasts, watch exclusive trailers from our latest film projects, and more. Be part of the action by uploading your own source material for our documentary film series to see your own work on the big and silver screens. See what's new at TrickyKid.com today. And now, back with more Tricky Kid Radio. you recognize that sound? Of course you do. That's the instantly recognizable sounds of It from the original Sign of the Times album. After completing my thread, and boy was it a challenge, and a lot of it for me was just navigating Twitter. I never realized how much I truly suck at Twitter. But to give the thread of kind of a bit of a vocal edition uh, did not come from any frustrations with Twitter, but to share it with you our dedicated listeners, especially our visually impaired subscribers that write me these great, wonderful letters of gratitude. And I just wanted you guys to be a part of it. Uh, and, you know, just as much as anyone, this is for you. Um, I also invited the other scholars whom on, on, 
a whim, I dubbed the Purple Avengers, because you guys know I'm a big comic book geek, and we've had Larry Hama and a bunch of comic book people on here, and I'm always talking about comic books. So uh, me being the comic book dork that I am, uh, they love the idea. Uh, so you'll be hearing, uh, hopefully, from not only uh, just me in this series, but the rest of them, and you'll be able to actually hear their voices actually reciting uh, their threads. Uh, so much so that I'm actually considering creating a separate podcast just for the print stuff. Think about that. We're right now at episode 109 uh, episodes to date and just celebrated five years. Uh, and my gosh, I think at least 20 of them are all prints related. Uh, let me know on social media, of course. Write to me. Uh, you know, obviously you can reach me at trickykid.com. That's tricky-kid.com. My email address is roy at tricky-kid.com. Would that be something you guys would be interested in subscribing to as well? Because I think it'd be cool, man. You know, like I said, we got the regular show, and uh, but you know, we've got all these other great episodes that are just for prints. Instead of having to hunt four years back, they would all be right there. And so, uh, anyway, let me know on social media uh, or just write to me. Uh, and here's Dana on to show you how. Follow us on social media. Our Twitter handle at TrickyKid2. Type Tricky Kid Radio Podcast on Facebook and DJ Tricky Kid on Instagram. Speaking of which, subscribe now to Roy Turner's alter ego DJ Tricky Kid's amazing Twitch channel at twitch.tv for retro gaming, exclusive DJ sets, as well as DJ instruction and live streaming of Tricky Kid Radio, where you, the audience, can participate and interact with our guests. Don't miss a single stream, so you can be up to date on the latest on all things Tricky Kid. Subscribe now at twitch.tv slash DJ Tricky Kid. Thanks, Dana. I do want to disclaim that this vocal idea is only designed to extend DJ Um and Egger's vision, not to subtract from it. These were thoughtfully and brilliantly planned threads to fit that format of Twitter that they both have worked tirelessly on. I just wanted to do something to give back and kind of keep the party going. So this is just a way to just kind of to extend it that and uh, and you know what, party we shall. So let's j jump into my thread right after these messages. Tricky Kid Radio is distributed by iHeartRadio and is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and the Google Play Store. Subscribe for free on the iHeartRadio app or on your favorite podcast platform. Subscribe to Tricky Kid TV on YouTube.com for a stunning visual look at all the fun we have here, plus exclusive content, short films, and more. All right, all right, all right, as McConaughey would say. I want to tell you that to, you know, to start right now by going on Twitter and finding the hashtag Prince Twitter thread. Or also hashtag SOTT Deluxe to catch up on all the fascinating threads from this album already posted. And keep in mind, there's plenty more to go with more being posted every single day. There was actually another one today that was awesome. You should check it out. But here's mine. Sign of the Times, Record 1, Side 2, Opening Track, It. I always liked how Annie Lennox kicked off the Eurythmics' unforgettable set at Concert for Nelson Mandela in 1988, where she just kind of was like asking, hey, 
Lennox wasn't asking permission, and neither was Prince, when unbidden to the, to the air, screams, This isn't a question, or even an estimation, but a confession, a celebration of declaration. Armed with a monolithic Fairlight CMI beat and scorched earth urgency, he doubles and triples down on this. Now, we've all felt this way, but have you ever felt more empowered by how appealing that expression is? Basic tracking began May 11th, 1986 at Sunset Sound, just a few weeks after Warner Brothers released Mountains as the second single from Parade. Now, when Dove's Cry returns to the set list at Madison Square Garden that summer, the It beat was wrapped inside of it to kind of give it a bit of a new live kick. Also that summer, it was included in two early sketches of the Dream Factory. Now, I mentioned the other threads, so I won't digress regarding what exactly Dream Factory was, because that's already been expertly handled by my man DJ Um uh, in this thread. But the conclusion of it is significant. I've long heard Dream Factory was simply a catch-all. Songs, you know, that simply didn't fit anywhere yet, but then a theme emerged. So kind of like, you know, talks of a musical kind of started coming up. And after you hear tracks like Large Room With No Light, it's really not hard to surmise. Lana drew a picture school today. One that made her mother cry A picture of a woman with a drink in her hand Standing by a child with no eyes However, it is the first peek into this. It's whimsical, it's fun, and undeniably Prince. It's the only track of the whole thing that doesn't fit anywhere, seemingly, but yet it could fit anywhere on all the projects he had going on. Now, I know that sounds kind of like a bit of a contradiction, but it just kind of was like, what, what do I do with this? But then you look at it and kind of go, my gosh, it doesn't have the high-pitched thing, so maybe not Camille, but this could have, it was the one track that was going to make it. It was not going to be put on the cutting room floor. That's kind of the point, you know what I mean? Uh, so that's why I, I, it, 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 to me, is the track, because it's the only one out of all of them. He could have made, you know, like a like a themed record that has just songs like Slow Love or maybe Adore, 
um, things like that. But it is just, it's so incredible how it's somehow universal and solitary simultaneously. Now, by now, you've probably have heard Rob Sheffield's fun but factless theory that Sign of the Times is an amalgamation of Bob Dylan's Blonde on Blonde. Now, come on now, there are some undeniable similarities that kind of gives it legs and kind of makes it fun. It kind of reminds me of the, the Dark Side of Oz thing with the Pink Floyd where, you, you know, Dark Side of the Moon where you line it up with uh, Wizard of Oz. And, you know, and that's fun and cool and all that. But ultimately, it's, you know, well, I tell you what, you know, if taken seriously, all you need is it is the ultimate debunker to Sheffield's tourism. So I'm going to let Prince kind of complete the summation from Housequake. Bullshit! Shut up! Already! Damn! Housequake! Everybody jump up and down! But... You might be saying the same to me after I take you down a path that at first glance could seem even more far-fetched. Sign of the Times, specifically its influence on the rise of the alternative movement in the 90s, and new wave that preceded it and in turn its influence on him. Because he was prepared to take it all on. His ambitions are so far-reaching that every song on the set is a brave new world. And for my money, none so much more than it. It's this microcosm, a deeper world born from an unfathomable macrocosm of liberation and power. It's a little-known fact that after seeing the 1993 video for Eleven's Reach Out, directed by Prince photographer Randy St. Nicholas, Prince contacted her about meeting with Alan and Natasha about them being a part of an extended new power generation. Here's Alan. And then she, she directed it and filmed it at her house. It's in black and white with red elements. Um, and it's a cool, like, uh, you know, we were kind of a long time in the grungy period. We were touring uh, Pearl Jam and Soundgarden, but we were definitely more in that kind of, like, if grunge was had more Zeppelin and Beatles in it, right. than Stevie Wonder, you know what I mean? Yeah. So the, the song was called Reach Out, and we were on the TV, and also Beavis and Butthead featured us a couple of times, which back then was a good thing. Yeah, <laughs> right, <laughs> um, right, right. And he ended, up, and he ended up seeing that and telling Randy that... Uh, that uh, I can actually, uh, I can text her and uh, she'll remember exactly what he said for, for, for more accuracy. But yeah, she's, uh, she's, 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 you know, really close with Randy and Nicholas throughout the years. And, and Prince was, uh, ended up, you know, uh, telling her that he was really a big fan of my band 11 and was interested in meeting Natasha and I at some point back in the early 90s. Wow. You know, maybe to bring, bring us into the fold, as it were. But we also knew that that meant being absorbed 100%, you know. <laughs> In 1980, Prince came to see Alan and Natasha perform after Stevie Wonder's endorsement. 
Natasha was close with Stevie and was actually signed to Motown in the mid-1970s. Alan remembers the nod of respect he received from Prince. She was she, 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 Stevie invited her to see that, uh, to hear the record in person at the nursery out in uh, Malibu. Oh, my God. Back in the 70s, yeah. Oh. She, was, she was signed to Motown before we met and we started at 11. She was just a teen. But uh, Stevie was a huge fan at first. And, uh, so That's incredible. Her, she's sitting next to Stevie and listening to the play. At that, at that point, I can only imagine it's either race babbling or... or, or uh, Black Orchid, other records, insane. Oh yeah, um, yeah. But but I mean, yeah. What a what a what a time. It's like uh, that's one thing that ever. I got to meet him a long time ago. He came to a. Uh, he happened to be at a show that I was doing. Just uh, he played flippers, and was, uh, my band played flippers back in the early eighties. I think what year was that? Oh, he was he was. At the, I forgot if it was the Lost Club or whatever. But I remember yeah, this, this is around the time of Jury Mind, even before, uh, uh, you know, Purple nice. Rain appeared. You right. Know? And uh, he's always he's always been such a big inspiration and, and he, uh, such an omnipresence throughout those years, even though we were, you know, more in the rock world as it were. But obviously there was there was so many aspects with my band that, that grew up on, you know, Beatles, Stevie Wonder, Led Zeppelin combination, as it were. That, that I could totally always resonate with what he was doing. And also his uh, multi-instrumental genius, uh, his, his ability to to kind of fuse so many things and, and, and to be in the moment. Yeah, and by, by that I mean, I mean he was in the room and I acknowledged him, he acknowledged me. And I remember, you know, seeing him before and, and, and he gave me like a nod, like a very kind of, you know, it's, it's like this nod that, 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 that says a lot more than just a minute, you know, a lot of talking, you know. Oh, and sure. so I felt, I felt really great about, about being acknowledged in that way. So obviously he thought it was, I was good or cool or, or whatever that it was. I was doing like a solo improv guitar thingy at this place called Lhasa Club. Back then was on, the, I want to say, um, but there was another, never another time that we were, that we met. We, you know, we're supposed to meet in the 90s with Randy, you know, In 2003, after finishing Queen to the Stone Age side project, The Desert Sessions, at my main man, Dave Ketching's place, Rancho de la Luna, the label asked for a single that required a B-side. Without skipping a beat, Alan immediately took the project to his place in Los Angeles. That's the reason that I chose it when it was time to do a B-side. Josh said, you know, for for does such a said, well, you know, just let's do a cover. And I immediately said, I'd love to do a version of it because it's been one of my favorite tunes. And I can I can call it in my mind's eye my, or, or my mind's ear, as it were, and it gives me that feeling each time. And so in the version that is, I try to honor all the important things about that song in terms of the components and why and try to explore what exactly what makes it work, you know. It had to be, it was no brainer for me to, 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 to try to do it, you know, um, for that. And we did it in one afternoon at my studio at the house. But anyway, yeah. Um, so, so basically, you know, we, we need one more, we need a song, we need a B-side for the desert sessions. I don't know if you're aware of what the deal is there, but a bunch of us getting together and having two, three days to, we had already gotten back from the Joshua Tree. And we had the whole album done, but we needed to have you know, more, more material. So we did, you know, B-sides over at my, my studio in, in Los Angeles. And so we, uh, I chose to do it. And so I had Josh, uh, Ami, Queen, and Troy, 
came over. Uh, you know, without even thinking, I just, just kind of like tried to imagine what a desert session song would sound like that was actually a Prince song. Yeah. Like, you know, if there's an atmosphere in desert session, if a desert session you listen to it long enough, if suddenly it appeared on it and you didn't know you know, if there had been no prints or whatever, you know, I mean, it wouldn't be suddenly like, where, where did this come from? Not to say that the Desert Sessions is like Prince, but it's something about that song in particular that was very much right for, for a Desert Sessions uh, release. We're going to take a quick break and be right back with more Tricky Kid Radio. Oh, what's up? This is the infamous serial wax killer, Beastie Boys DJ Assassin, Mix Master Mike, and you're tuned into my man DJ Tricky Kid. Don't be a clown. Don't sleep. Check it out, y'all. See what's new at tricky-kid.com today. Once again, your host, Roy Turner. Right, so now we're in the second half of the thread. Uh, okay, so listen to this. When I first started working with Claude Coleman Jr., he's a drummer for Ween, and he has a great solo uh, project called Amandola, and I managed him in that uh, project for a couple of years. So I got to you know meet and be around the other Ween guys for you know during that time, and and I'll tell you the thing that we bonded over immediately was this mutual love of print, especially. The Sign of the Times, Camille, kind of, you know, and it. They even did this kind of interpolation of Shock and Delica from their first record. Uh, it's called L-M-L-Y-P, uh, but I'm not going to spell that out for you. You'll have to look that up. Here's a bit of it here. Let's go Now, Mickey, who goes by Dean Ween, he was also on that Desert Sessions project. And I kind of always kind of assumed uh, that it, uh, you know, them covering it was his influence. But in fact, it was Alan. You know, kind of had an arrangement in my mind, which is kind of pretty faithful to the original. And we went through some of the components. The only thing is I'm, I'm doing, uh, doing evil guitars for the... Da -da, da -da, da -da, right. Da -da. You know, and then Josh played my pad drums, which are the electronic kit, you know, to, you know, tried to get a little bit of a, you know, the, I think we used the Lin drum on, on that one. It had the cool sound that it used to get, or it was maybe a studio for four, but it kind of the sound of like that, almost like a, a milder version of the cameo snare. Right, 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 right. He used a, he used a Fairlight CMI on that. Right, the Fairlight. Oh my God, so, so well, that's way above my budget. That's what I have right now. Where the, where the 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 one of the main themes keeps going, 
and then the harmony changes because of the bass notes moving. The tension changes. You know, the light just repeats, but each time it comes around again, it feels slightly different because the bass line moves. You know. Yeah. And uh, and it's one of my favorite guitar solos I've ever played. Um, obviously, there's no real guitar solo. And in, uh, in, in he didn't play, you know, on that particular one, he didn't play guitar solo. I just thought, well, you know, which is good because now I feel okay about playing guitar solo because I'm not gonna, certainly not gonna try to put a guitar solo where Prince were to put a guitar solo and have it sit there for people to hear compared to his guitar solo. <laughs> Even though I'm quite a prodigious guitar player, but he also had this uh, insane way of doing it just right. So I stuck it as guitar solo on there. I, I sung it um, in a kind of Imagine more like a Bowie-esque kind of approach. You know? Sure. And I, I felt that when I first heard it. Yeah, I was just like, because I can't, you know, he had almost coming undone emotionally the way he's singing it, you know? It's like his, his, his voice has an emotional crack. It's like, it's like a, it's a particular tone and, and, and performance that he has in his voice, you know? It's it's uh, it's kind of pleading and it's a little bit angry, but at the same time it's really sexy. Yeah, like it has a bit of the James Brown thing going. So, so I mean, it's pretty it's the perfect song, you know. And then the da -da 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 -da, you know, I did that with like an uh, uh, octave fuzz guitars to try to because that's obviously some kind of crazy strings. You yeah. Know? But Troy and Josh sang some of the harmonies that that they're a little bit, you know. They're a little bit less, less uh, they're a little disorganized compared to the original, but we just want to kind of give it a little bit of a, of that flavor, you know? Sure, sure. The one sound I couldn't nail, well, I, I tried, I tried to do like like the version like, you know, on, on Radiohead's Creep, where the, the guitarist would tuckle, tuckle, yeah, yeah, right, know? yeah. Uh, so I just did that with palmed uh, heavy guitars, but obviously in the original, that, 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 that happens uh, on, the, on every, in every uh, round of resets. That is a pretty huge sound. So I was just like, okay, as long as I kind of, you know, put a little signpost here so people know what's up, uh, you know, go listen to the original. Um, but I want to be clear, it goes even deeper. Uh, the, you know how Nirvana's Dave Grohl, he covered Darlin' Nikki from Purple Rain with the Foo Fighters. Uh, Dave Grohl was also a great, uh, you know, friend of... Uh, that whole desert scene with Josh Homme and Desert Sessions. And he, of course, he was even on one of the Queen of the Stone Age records. Uh, and then, of course, Prince claps back uh, with the Foo Fighters' Best of You at the Super Bowl that year, which I know I'm biased, but I defy anybody to, to, to give a better example of somebody's. That's his Queen at Live Aid. Uh, Prince at the Super Bowl, where he somehow cued the heavens to make it rain during Purple Rain. And let me tell you, I was 10 feet from him at Coachella in 2008 when he effortlessly wah-wahed into Radiohead's Creep, another staple from, you know, the, the early to mid-90s kind of weird alternative thing. I mean, they don't really fit into the, to the grunge thing, but we're not you know, specifically stating that that just happened to be the most popular thing at the time. You know, uh, that was one of the greatest nights of my entire life. Um, I'm a massive Portishead fan and they were the original headliners. So I was already going, um, by that time I was already, you know, hooked up and connected and I'd been at Coachella with, uh, there's an artist named Peaches that you guys might uh, be familiar with. And I had been at Coachella with her and her band. I, uh, I managed her, um, 
uh, side band, or I'm sorry, her live band, Sweet Machine, for a while. Uh, so I was already in, and I, so I was already was going, and I had the hookup and all that. And, you know, to see Portishead and a bunch of great bands. And then just a few weeks before the show, they announced that he was now going to be the headliner. Uh, so Portishead went on right before him. This is like, this is stuff of dreams, you know. And he started it out very nostalgic. Uh, he even had Morris Day in the time there and did The Bird and, you know, and Jungle Love. So it was, it started out as a very kind of, you know, you know, trip back in time. And then when he did the, uh, when he started, you know, he didn't announce it. He just started doing it. But it is, it is, I'm pretty good with words, okay? But it is challenging to fully articulate what it was like feeling 80,000 people collectively getting it all at once. Like, oh my God. Now, I'm by no means like a massive Radiohead fan, but like when... It was that moment where this is never going to happen again. He's not going to be covering this on tour, and and just the fact that his his awareness of it all uh, and was doing something so special. You were part of a moment that was happening, and and again, uh, he didn't. Uh, the normal thing where you would watch from the side of the stage was a bit different during his set, uh, but thankfully I got to go into this little area uh, right there, and he was he was right there, man. And one of uh, you know I never actually met Prince. That's that's as close as I've ever been to him. So, um, so that was pretty cool. Uh, I'll digress for just a second. He did a Good Morning America thing when I was living in New York, and I went to that in Bri- a free show in Bryant Park when he was promoting Thirty One Twenty One. And did a, sh- a club show that night at a place called Butter, and I was probably closer to him th- then. But uh, in terms of memory, man, nothing really beats that Coachella set. So, but you can see where it fits into it to this theme we're talking about here, and other fun th- things like timing. Like, why did he happen to return to it? Pun intended, by the way, on the Diamonds and Pearls tour. Wrapped inside Thieves in the Temple in 1992 at the height of the grunge movement. Another example where I mentioned about how New Wave having an effect on, on him and, and stuff is it, I feel like it's undeniable. And I had a uh, another example of this is a recent chat I had with Talking Heads is Chris Franz. And if you have not heard the episode I did with Chris Franz promoting his new book, Remain in Love, please go check it out now. It's amazing. Uh, it's celebrating 40 years of the al- album Remain in Light, their big break- breakthrough with Once in a Lifetime and all that. Great, great chat. Chris is a great guy. Uh, but we were talking, and I realized, you know, that I feel like that Prince mimicked their strategy. They had, they had a concert film called Stop Making Sense that David Byrne famously pulled them off the road and said, we don't have, we're going to let the, the film tour for us. And I really feel like that that was his motivation for making the Sign of the Times fil- film to do the same for him. And if you know the Stop Making Sense film and you know the Sign of the Times film, you know that another big similarity is that David Byrne walks out first and does Psycho Killer solo. Then the band joins one at a time. The exact same thing happens in the Sign of the Times film. So that's pretty hard to to ignore uh, or deny there. And the reason being is I think he was eager to enter the recently completed Paisley Park as to why that tour never made it to America. Check out these dates. The Sun of the Times tour ends June 29th. Paisley Park opens September the 11th. 
the same day Prince performed Son of the Times and Playing the Sunshine at the MTV Music Awards. All denimed out in 1987, debuting his new look and his new sound and his new band. The Son of the Times Films opens October 29th, just six weeks later. But for me, the ultimate appeal of it and Son of the Times as a whole is that it's the only album I feel that I've ever heard that surmises the entire human experience. But yet, it is so, it's so simple. But nothing quite defines how it makes me feel every time I hear it. When his voice breaks, I break right along with him. There's just this urgency, this confessional, and this kind of fuck it, like, I've got to tell you thing. And he's not worrying about staying in key. He's just got to get this off his chest with this almost hesitant edge. And when that voice breaks, I break right along with him. And lastly, I find comfort that it was with him till the very end. His very last tour in 2016 was called Piano and a Microphone. And there's no piano anywhere to be found on the original track to it. But yet, he pulled it out at the Oakland stop in 2016. And for me, with delight and comfort and wonder and appreciation, I think about that all the time. All right. want to thank my man, Alan Johannes, for being so generous on such short notice. I, uh, you know, we have a, a great mutual friend in Dave Ketching, who is a national treasure and uh, one of my favorite people uh, in this entire world. And... Um, and because of, of Dave's uh, endorsement, he was so happy to give um, uh, his, uh, his time. And he, he called me and I, and I hipped him to what we were up to uh, this week with the threads and all that. And he was just so happy uh, to be a part of it and was just so, uh, just such a joy to talk with. He's a great dude, man. In, you know, on stage, off stage, you won't find anybody that doesn't love that dude. Uh, and he's awesome. Uh, check out all of his stuff. If, you, if, you, if a lot of these names are, are new to you, um, if a lot of some of these names like Ween or uh, the band Eleven that Alan is in, uh, or even King's X, uh, if these are new to you, uh, I hope that this is going to encourage you to check these these amazing artists out. I mean, if you were to watch like Nirvana's like Smells Like Teen Spirit video, I mean, the uh, I guess you would say the aesthetic of Prince was really nowhere to be found. You know, and but you know, what does this all this have to do with it and its inclusion on Sound of the Times? More than you think. I mention it not only to share these rarely heard details, but as a point of reference. And I'm not going to claim that it is like the forebearer of grunge. That dubious honor goes to my brothers in King's X, 
who are uh, one of the most original bands you'll ever hear in your entire life, uh, for which we are actually collaborating and in, in creating a, a movie right now called Born to be Loved, the story of King's X, uh, that is in full collaboration uh, with them to finally tell uh, their great story. Uh, but once again, I want to thank, uh, you know, man, my goodness, Alan Johannes, uh, Edgar, and DJ Um. Uh, please check all the other Twitter threads uh, and look for this here. Let me know if you guys want to me to, to start an, another podcast. It's just for Prince to put all this kind of stuff there and uh, and check it out. It's under Prince Twitter threads on uh, on Twitter or just hashtag uh, SOTT Deluxe and stick around. I, I encourage all the other people um, to do some recording of their own so you guys can hear it from them, their own voices. Uh, and just kind of keep the party going. So again, I thank you so much uh, for checking this out. Next week on Tricky Kid Radio. This has been a presentation of Tricky Kid Media Originals, distributed by iHeartRadio, created and directed by Roy Turner, edited and mastered by Marcus Miller, theme music by The Buck Pets, original score by Jocelyn Hund, artwork by Antora Sandy, marketing and PR by Francesca Miles, Tricky Kid Radio is hosted by Roy Turner with introductions by me, Dana French. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us next week. Check out that cover, man, of Prince's It from, you know, from with Alan and Troy and Josh from Queens, man. Just, Just great, great, amazing stuff. Any